0: Today on the Locked On Hornets podcast, the Charlotte Hornets can't escape the preseason without a beatdown from the boys from Beantown. I'll have a recap of the game against the Boston Celtics and what Steve Clifford said after the game the Hornets have to do if they want to avoid games like this in the future. That's all ahead on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day in the minute, we lie. We we welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. It's locked on Hornets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook. Of Locked On. Make every moment more right now. New customers can bet $5. One, two, three, four, five, and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit fanduel.com forward slash locked on to get started. Thanks so much for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We are free and daily wherever you get podcasts, including on YouTube, where you can see my bright, shining face. Despite the blowout loss, I'm still smiling. You know why? Because preseason is over and they avoided for the most part any major injuries although there was a significant injury in this game we'll get to that in just a moment I'm Doug Branson you can get more of my work on on my Substack, Every Hornets Box Score, where you can get my complete game notes on this game and every game this regular season, Every You can also join our subtext, Join Subtext.com forward slash Lockdown Hornets, where you get 1v1 access uh, to me and all of my depraved Hornets thoughts in your text app. Uh, so check that out. I'm usually joined by my good friend, my co host with the Mo Host. Walker Mail, who you can find on WFNZ 92.7. He is on his final vacation before the regular season, getting it in while he can. Uh, so he'll be back on Monday. Let's talk about this game against the Boston Celtics, the final preseason contest for the Charlotte Hornets, their final chance to see uh, what this lineup can do, what the lineup will look like when they take the floor on October 25th, opening up against the Atlanta Hawks. And it was a blowout. It was. I mean, there's no other way to put it. The final score was 127 to 99, and that's after some of the reserves came in in the fourth quarter and made up a little bit of the ground. Uh, but it was a wake-up call, I think, for for this team. Boston came out, they attacked, they switched on defense. When we previewed the game, I said that was going to be a problem and the Hornets didn't necessarily respond to it. It disrupted their offense. There were a lot of bad turnovers, a lot of tough shots that didn't go down. I think they missed their first 12 three-point shots and, and I thought the main rotation really failed to respond with a level of defensive intensity of their own, allowing Boston to get out and attack early, especially in transition. I mean, all of the sort of barometer stats that you look at for the Charlotte Hornets, fast break points, second chance points, offensive rebounds, all of those went into favor into the favor of the Celtics very early on in this game. I wrote that it was a basic recipe for a blowout loss. Like if you, if you really look at the, the numbers in this box score, you, you didn't need to look very far to, to know that Charlotte was going to struggle in this game. And then after the game, Steve Clifford was pretty clear about what he thought was the reason they lost this game. And it was the glass. Here's the quote from Steve Clifford. If we're going to be the team that I think we can be, we have to dominate the glass. Our five men have got to own the glass at both ends of the floor, and they're both capable of doing it. And it starts with having the right intent and what you're concentrating on, and what you prioritize. And we need them to do it. Here are the numbers. The Hornets were out-rebounded 16-10 to on the offensive glass. And really, of those 10 that the Hornets had, uh, two went to Rozier, two went to Mark, and one went to Gordon. So the bench doing a little bit of work on the offensive glass more so than the starting lineup. But you give three away to Porzingis, and I think all three of those ended up as and ones, or at least all three of those ended up with Christos Porzingis on the line. He was much more dominant in the paint than he was from outside. And then Cueta off the bench had five offensive rebounds, and ultimately it led to 23 second chance points. I mean, for a good defensive team, 23 points is what you would hope to you know hold them at least to one quarter. They got that amount of points just off of getting on the glass and you know, Clifford, I think, interestingly, doesn't leave it at just, we need to dominate the glass. He goes a step further and, and mentions the five men. And there are only two, so we know who they are. It's Mark Williams and it's Nick Richards challenging those two individuals to step it up in terms of crashing the glass and keeping guys off the glass, but it has to be on both ends. And I think that's what Clifford points to there. It's not just about holding the other team, at holding their offensive rebounds away and getting those defensive rebounds, ending possessions, but it's also the fact that the Hornets need to generate enough offensive rebounds and second chance points to counter the fact that this team offensively is going to struggle some nights with generating half-court offense to me it's very similar to last season. This team needs to get out and run and generate easy points that way. They've got to crash the offensive glass to generate easy points that way because this is just not a team that is going to kill you from outside. I mean this the three-point shooting isn't necessarily there across the board. I don't think you're going to get it consistently. It will be better than it was last season, if you get more LaMelo ball and Terry Rozier playing together, you're going to get some offensive firepower coming from there. But we haven't seen it this preseason. Uh Rozier has had it for the most part, but he was 0 of five in this game, two of six. But when you when you depend on that and you're you don't have five guys out on the floor who can all shoot, then you're going to have to find some ways to generate offense and and crashing the glass is a big part of that. Uh, but you know, if you don't keep the other team off the offensive glass, especially this team that is not an elite defensive team. They can be a good defensive team, but this team is, I don't think, has the personnel in order to be an elite defensive team. You saw an elite defensive team in Boston. That's where, you know, five guys, and even when they break the lineup and bring in some of these reserves, they all play on a string. The team defense is swarming all the time. There was one particular play, I believe in the third quarter when, uh, they, when Brandon Miller got loose in the corner, his man went down to double team uh, the, the post player, the the player that was that got the paint touch, and Brandon Miller was wide open. In the corner, pass comes to him, and then all of a sudden a guard comes out of nowhere. It was crazy. But that's what watching an elite defense is like. It's like that movie, you know, the movie trope of the the war plane, and then the 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 other planes are swarming and the pilot is like, they're everywhere. I can't get them off me. I can't shake them. And then all of a sudden the plane explodes. That's what it's like to play an elite defensive team. That's not what the Charlotte Hornets are. That's what the Boston Celtics are. The Hornets can become a good defensive team. They can evolve into that by the end of this season, but I'm not sure they have the personnel. It may take a few years for them to get into like elite defensive territory. And so when that's the reality of your team, then I think you have to, as Steve Clifford put it, dominate the glass on both ends because that's the reality of your personnel. I mean, other than health, Here's my take. I mean, other than health, this will be what the year hinges on. Can they find the fight? Can they find the physicality, particularly from the two centers, two younger guys in Mark Williams and Nick Richards? Can they hit first? Because you're not going to get a lot of physicality up top. From LaMelo Ball or Terry Rozier you're hoping that those guys can do a little bit better job than they did last season of just giving your front court players an opportunity to read and react on the defensive end of the floor give me a second before the blow-by happens so that the help defense can get there in time that's all you're hoping for you're you're not looking for them to be like in the shirt kind of DSJ Frank Milakina type of defense from either one of those guys you're looking for a little bit of improvement, but you've got to have the fight and the physicality from the guys down low. Otherwise, this is it's going to be difficult for this team to guard consistently. Um, so Monday, we're going to talk about whether this loss was like a wake up call or or it's indicative of things to come because it's really interesting. You don't want to overreact too much to preseason. Uh, but, you know, I think it's an interesting question, but one that I would rather tackle with my guy Walker alongside me. So coming up on the Locked on Hornets podcast, don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. I already telegraphed it a little bit, but there was a significant injury. We don't know how significant yet, but it's if this player does miss time, it will be significant. I want to talk about that on the other side. This episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season and the NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props my fave over under smash the over always play the under and always play the over and more so visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the nfl season that's fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel official partner of the nfl Back here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. I want to tell you about the Locked On Ultimate NBA Season Preview. It's here. It's a six-episode series with all 30 of our Locked On NBA team shows, from contenders to tankers. They put us in the tanker group. Don't get me started. I had to defend the Hornets, saying that they have no intention of tanking this season. Uh, You can check out our episode and all the episodes on the Locked On NBA podcast feed or on YouTube. Uh, It goes in-depth into the biggest storylines heading into the season. You can catch all six of those episodes again on Locked On NBA. All right, back to this game. Hornets blowout loss to the Celtics to wrap up the preseason. Do you want to just mention again that the Hornets are exiting this preseason, one one and three, not a great record, but here's the record that really matters. Zero significant injuries, to starter-level players. But there was an injury in this game that I think, despite it not being a starter-level player, is significant, and that's Frank Nilakina who went down at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and and as soon as I saw the injury, knee injury, he went down clutching his knee, and then I looked at left knee, and then I looked at the replay, and the knee sort of bent back a little bit and buckled, I immediately thought hyperextension. It just sort of looked like textbook what I have known or what I've come to know as a hyperextended knee injury, what it looks like on a basketball floor. And the team confirmed it a little bit later in that fourth quarter that it was a hyperextension. And so how bad is the hyperextension? Was there ligament damage? That's going to be sort of the determining factor on, on is it Frank Nelikina misses weeks or is it Frank Ntilikina is day to day and he nurses it back to health and maybe you know they have to play a few games without him and then he can come back. But if he misses time, I think it's significant because you've seen over the course of this preseason that Steve Clifford wants to rely a lot on Frank Ntilikina to help them defend when they break the lineup when Gordon Hayward goes out. You can you know you can pair. Uh, And when PJ goes out, because PJ is a big part of that starting defense as well, you can then pair Brandon Miller and Frank Nielakina, and you don't worry as much about pick and roll coverages and just one-on-one defense when you have to break that lineup. And it allows you to play some of your other uh, offensive firepower pieces alongside that bench unit, like LaMelo Ball. You can play LaMelo next to uh, Frank Nielakina, and LaMelo isn't forced to guard the best guard on the other side of the floor. So if he misses time, Steve Clifford already mentioned it after the game. They're not necessarily going to look at Edmund Sumner or some other backup point guard option. They're going to get bigger. You know, they're going to play Brandon Miller more um, at the shooting guard position. They're just going to look at uh, moving pieces in there that can can replace. His defense so significant um injury if if he has to miss more time and we'll get some more updates on that I'm sure over the weekend and into the early parts of next week as they get ready to open up the season um some more news and notes from this game Uh, I thought it was interesting after the game Clifford said they're not going to downsize anytime soon he's mentioned downs in terms of downsizing meaning playing pj washington at the five you know sort of a a killer lineup that you would use to close a game or, you know, in the Draymond Green at center Warriors death lineup sort of mold. He says that's not going to happen anytime soon. He's previewed in the past that if Miles Bridges were to return, you can play him at the four and play PJ at the five for some number of minutes um, as a counter to smaller lineups that they're going to face uh, on certain nights. But Steve Clifford telling you, they don't have the ability to do that. Um, I thought in terms of players that had really good games, I thought Gordon Hayward returning after that two game absence due to the foot injury looked really good on both sides of the ball. You know, he's, I'm sure he's getting back into a rhythm a little bit, but I thought shot well, uh, was able to get into the paint, use a number of moves to get open. When he played against Sam Hauser, it was like clone wars. It was the Spider-Man meme. Uh, but he was able to get some good looks and knock them down. And then defensively, I just thought, you know, super sound, um, wasn't making many mistakes. In terms of players, I don't, I mean that that might be the only player that I would qualify as having like a, a good game. I mean Terry Rozier, other than going over five from three, shot it well, six of 12 from the floor. Uh, Nick Richards offensively was good four of four from the field and seven of ten free throws. He led the team in free throws in that game, 15 points off the bench, a bench that hasn't been able to score, that's good. But when they look at the tape and the reason why he lost the game, they're going to look at the fact that Nick Richards only had uh, four total rebounds in this game. Mark Williams had seven. So neither of them even getting close to double-digit rebounds. Meanwhile, Kristaps Porzingis gobbling up 12 rebounds. Queta had seven. Um, so they, they lost the rebounding battle, and you know, you're going to look at those fives. P.J. Washington, one of six, not a great game. I thought this was a bad LaMelo ball game, careless with the ball, uh, there were a couple of opportunities for him to just e- even present a little bit of resistance on some guys running towards uh, the basket for offensive rebounds. Like it, it, The focus for Steve Clifford after the game was Mark Williams and Nick Richards. But it's, it's everyone's responsibility to keep the other team off the glass. And I thought LaMelo missed a couple of easy opportunities. Um, and his shot continues not to fall. You hope, you hope that all of that flips on its head especially with LaMelo, but also Brandon Miller, who was 0 -0 for 3 in this game from beyond the arc, 3 of 12 overall, was not shooting it very well, 8 points, did have 7 rebounds, 4 assists, but committed 5 turnovers. So you're seeing sort of the good, the bad, and the ugly of uh, the rookie getting adjusted. Brandon Miller tried to dribble it uh, into the teeth of a Boston defense that is elite, that is organized, that knows uh, what you're going to do sometimes before you even try to do it, they anticipate those kinds of things. And they were easily able to get in there and strip it away and turn those into easy points. So Brandon Miller, uh, just a learning experience for him. Uh, he is, I think, one of 13 or one of 14 from beyond the arc. I, look, I'd be lying if I said that I wouldn't feel a little bit better if Brandon Miller had hit two threes in a row in this game or even two threes in the entire preseason. I mean, he finished the preseason only knocking down one three-point shot. Now, everyone you talk to, Del Curry said it on the broadcast. Steve Clifford has mentioned it a few times during his post-game and post-practice availabilities. No one seems to be worried about a shooting. They see it in practice every day. They see him knocking it down. But I'll say it again. There is a history with this program of drafting players who are we're supposed to come in and be knockdown shooters who weren't able to be knockdown shooters. Malik Monk, James Booknight, players that disappointed in that regard. And you went like, no, I saw it in college. And, and people are telling me they see it in practice. What is the disconnect between bringing all of that to uh, the NBA and so I hope that's not the case with Brandon Miller. I hope that this was we, – we saw a little bit of a preview of this in Summer League where he didn't shoot the ball very well at the beginning of Summer League and he kind of shook all of that off and closed it out strong. And so you hope that when everything resets and we go to regular season mode, the LaMelo ball turns up his entire game in other gear, that Brandon Miller suddenly starts getting shots. And, and hopefully they're more open looks. Because I, I think that's one thing that Brandon Miller has to adjust to. Del Curry was talking about uh, – well, Eric Collins asked Del Curry on the broadcast, is, an adjustment, is it an adjustment to go from college three to NBA three? And Dell responded, yes, it's an adjustment, but for Brandon Miller – he has the range, and he showcased it at Alabama. He showed NBA range there. He already has NBA range. The true adjustment for three-point shooters, especially, I think, bigger, longer three-point shooters, is the quickness with which defenders can close out to you. That's the difference from NBA to college. It's not the length of the three-point shot, because so many of these guys now that are going up through AAU and into college – They're shooting NBA 3s, so we're just getting ready for it because that's the game now. And it just so happens that the line is a little closer in college, but so many of these guys are just shooting NBA 3s anyway. Um, The real difference is you you watch some of these guards, Derek White, Drew Holiday, uh, Delano Banton, I mean, Pritchard, the way they close out, the quickness with which they close out, and the help defense when, again, I mentioned that play in the corner for Brandon Miller, where he looked wide open for a couple of seconds. And then all of a sudden a guard comes out of nowhere, uh, to, to close out on him in the corner. That's the adjustment. And if you don't have like a super quick shot, which I, you know, we talked about this in the lead up for Brandon Miller in the scouting report, like the ball's a little low and, you know, it, it takes a little bit more time for his shot to develop than, you know, some other guys, Uh, And I'm sure that will improve over time and he'll make adjustments to it. But, you know, we need to see Brandon Miller get some opportunities where he is wide, wide open, and then we need to see him knock it down for me to feel a little bit better at least. All right, coming up, final segment on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Steve Clifford sat down with Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype. Want to get into a few things he had to say on that podcast. And uh, we'll close things out, but not before. I tell you about our good friends at Jace Medical. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world today, and it's important to be prepared. You can be more prepared with Jace Medical and the Jace case. It's a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections, and you can customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your family's unique needs. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form and in some cases jump on a quick call with one of Jace's board certified physicians and you can get ongoing care from those physicians on any treatment related questions. It's doctor created, doctor recommended. Don't get caught unprepared. You can uh, get a Jace case for yourself or you can buy a gift card for a family or your loved ones so that they can get a Jace case of their own. Go to JaceMedical.com and enter code LOCK. On. All one word, locked on at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code locked on at jacemedical.com, J A S E medical.com. More to come. Locked on Hornets. Back here, final segment. Thanks so much for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. I want to talk about this Clifford interview that he did with Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype. Really interesting interview. If you haven't heard, Steve Clifford by now, go into depth about the history, his history coaching um, in college and in the NBA, it's a really interesting conversation because Scotto really kind of goes down the bullet point list. All right, you worked here and you worked this with this person. And the one takeaway that you have to have after listening to that interview or really enter any in-depth interview with Clifford where he goes through his history is this. That Steve Clifford has worked with a ton of superstars and great coaches. A lot of people know about the the Van Gundy's. He's worked with both of them. He worked with Jeff Van Gundy in Houston. He's worked with Stan Van Gundy in Orlando. Um, but I don't uh, think that many people know that that he was hooked up with Beheim, uh, Jim Beheim, and that that's what sort of accelerated his move. Um, into the NBA, where Clifford, uh, at least in his telling, never thought he would be um, in the NBA coaching. Um, But serendipitously, he met the right kind of folks and learned the right kinds of things and then found himself on the right kinds of staffs. But that's um, that's such an advantage to have a guy like that with a team like this, with a young team. You have a coach that has worked, not really even the working with the great coaches part, but with the number of superstars that Clifford has had the opportunity, as an assistant coach, to work directly with, including Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, Paul Gasol, Kevin Durant, Tracy McGrady, and it's a it's a star it's a number of stars that played a number of different ways, dominated the games in different ways, like Tracy McGrady dominated in a way that Dwight Howard didn't, and vice versa, so he he's seen he's seen it all but he knows what even though the differences in those players he knows what the sort of common link is between all of those great players he knows what kind of work ethic those players have and he can communicate that to the young players on this squad that are looking to be all-stars all nba level players that are looking to dominate he knows what it looks like and he can communicate that to those players and hopefully he can get through to those players. He can't look. You cannot make any of those players work like Kevin Durant or put in the work that Tracy McGrady put in to get better every single year, even when he was, you know, in MVP conversations and get, and accumulating All NBA awards. You cannot make players do that, but you can communicate to those players. Hey, I'm not telling you what I think you should do. I'm telling you what I've seen other great players do even after they've been great. And that's such an asset to have. And it's one of the reasons why I think Clifford garners so much respect. You know, I don't know that he's going to finish out his career with, you know, a number of wins or a number of playoff series wins where people are going to consider him among, you know, the great coaches that he's worked with. And a lot of that is just kind of the hand you're dealt. I mean, Clifford, um, you know, wasn't necessarily given a lot of star power in his first run with Charlotte in the time that he was with Orlando, you know, his greatest strength has been able to take teams that, uh, you know, don't have a ton of talent or experience or both and, and accelerate their sort of rebuild process. And he's done that particular thing well. Uh, But I think he garners a lot of respect because of the way he approaches the game. And I think the other thing that I took away from that interview is that he went to the talent well again when, it, you know, when Scotto asked him, you know, you said that this team has a lot of talent, uh, that the most talent that he's ever worked with. And you could sort of hear in Clifford's response that, that talent is great to have, but talent is like IQ. You know, when you were a kid and you had to take the IQ test in school and all of the teachers and the guidance counselors would be very quick to say, when you look at your score, whatever the score is, if it's super high, if it's in the middle, if it's low, don't let that affect how you feel about yourself because IQ is only as good as the person that can like access that and utilize that. So if you have a super high IQ, it does it's not necessarily indicative of your future success or future uh, you know, ability to use that intelligence. And I think talent in the NBA is the same way. I think this team, I agree with Clifford. This team has a lot of talent, but if they don't utilize that talent properly, If they're not physical enough, if they're not willing to fight night in and night out to win basketball games, then it doesn't matter that they have a lot of length or that a couple of players in particular can shoot the basketball very well. you got to go out there and execute. You have to use that talent. And so I think the gulf between being one of the most talented teams he's ever coached and a team that can actually make the playoffs – like, I think people equate those two things. I think when people, sometimes you, you hear Clifford say, this is the most talented team I've ever coached, and you think, oh, man, all right, this team's on the way to the playoffs. All the pundits have it wrong. And all these people that are putting the Hornets 30th, 29th in their power rankings, they just don't see what Steve Clifford sees. No, they see the exact same thing that Steve Clifford sees. They see a team with a lot of, of talent, with uh, a, a lot of different players that can do a lot of different things, athleticism, and, and there's a lot of skill on this uh, on this team. But do they have the will? Do they have the fight? Do they have the intensity? Do they have, do, are they all going to get on the same page? Will they all stay healthy? You know, those are all things that really make the difference between whether you're going to finish a season outside of the play-in, in the play-in, or in the playoffs. Uh, we saw a team that had, I think, a very similar talent level two seasons ago win 43 games. And they got, they got to the play-in, and, and whatever they needed to succeed when everything got tougher all of a sudden everything got tougher shots got harder to find teams got harder to defend one-on-one when things got tougher they got blown out and so the big challenge for this season and it goes back to the the physicality on the glass thing that we talked about in the first segment the challenge this season is can you take all of that talent and, and instill a way to play and a fight that can actually not only win consistently enough in the regular season to put yourself into position to get into a play-in, but once you get into that play-in one game, fight for your life, are you going to be the team that comes out on top? That'll be the great challenge for Steve Clifford and this Charlotte Hornets basketball team. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Hornets. Thanks so much for making Locked on Hornets your first listen every single day now go ahead and check out locked on nba and the game to game nba podcast every moment every top performance every result and check out the ultimate nba season preview on the locked on nba podcast as well thanks so much for listening this week for watching this week for commenting this week had so many great questions in the satchel this week can't wait to do it again next week with my guy walker mail alongside thanks so much for listening go hornets go america Let's swarm Charlotte.